Well, welcome back to our class on the fear of man. Hopefully it hasn't been too scary so far, uh, but two weeks ago, Jeremy helped us to see what the fear of man is, so just a definition, and, and he had given us a definition from Ed Welch's book, When People Are Big and God is Small, and, and that definition of the fear of man was this. Fear of man includes being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by people, worshiping others, putting your trust in people, or needing people. So that kind of serves as a functioning definition for what the fear of man is. And then uh, last week, <clears throat> excuse me, last week Sam kind of gave us the opposite of that, and that's the fear of God. So we should not fear man, but we should rightly fear God. Uh, and so this week we're going to start to think about some particular aspects of what makes up the fear of man. So some various things. And you can see on the back of your handout there, you'll see how, where we're going over the next few weeks. But this morning we're going to talk specifically about the fear of exposure. <clears throat> so think about that for a minute. Do you fear being exposed? Are there things about you that you don't want other people to know that you try to hide, kind of keep in the closet? Are you afraid if those things were found out that people would think differently about you? So that's kind of the, the basis for what we're going to talk about this morning. And, and if we're honest, every one of us, in some respect, will answer yes to those questions. You know, we, we don't want people to know everything about us. We don't want to be exposed. And I think if we know anybody who can honestly answer no to those questions, they don't care if, it, if somebody knows everything about them, I think we would uh, define that person as a sociopath. You know, they're, they're not exactly on the same level as, as the rest of us. They're completely, completely deluded. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility as well. So, well, um, look at the quote there on the top of your handout for today. I trust you got a handout. Um, this is from David Wells in Losing Our Virtue. He says this, At the root of all experiences of shame is the sense that we have been exposed and uncovered. We know ourselves to be something other than what we hoped. And this revelation often comes with, when others come to see accidentally and without warning, a side of us about which we feel vulnerable and embarrassed. We feel as if we have been wounded by what they now know. So the fear of scorn is part of the experience of shame, as is anxiety. And so when we think about the fear of exposure, we have to come to understand that that's very closely related to the fear of shame or the idea of being ashamed. These two things go hand in hand. And really, they, they came into being, came into uh, the experience that we have at the fall. They became part of the human narrative in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, and, and we'll uh, look at that here in a second. And um, because of that, because of sin entering into our experience and becoming part of our nature, then shame has become a part of of our experience and our nature as well. And this is effectively the, one of the results of sin, that we feel shame and we feel separation from God. And so this is a common 
a fundamental way that we have to deal with life and, and have uh, this kind of experience of being afraid of being exposed. Uh, and so uh, if this fear is left unchecked, if we continue to go on in life letting the fear of exposure kind of dominate our lives, then we really have a problem and, and we really have a situation that that is going to lead to all kinds of things that, that are problematic. So um, that's what we want to kind of pull back the cover on this morning and really take a look at that. Um, if the fear of exposure is a driving force in our life rather than the biblical force of living by faith in the Son of God, then we are not going to be living according to God's plan and God's purposes. So let's spend a little time this morning digging into this idea, this idea of this common fear of the fear of exposure. So we'll kind of want to cover, uncover where it exists in our lives and then consider some solutions to preventing it from controlling us. So um, if you look there, uh, the first thing we want to think through is the why question. Why do we fear being exposed? Um, and have you ever thought about that question? I mean, we, we kind of live with this. We sometimes take it for granted. So let's think for a few minutes. Help me with some examples. Tell me about a time that you said or did something in a, an attempt to avoid exposure. Just now? Yeah, we didn't say anything. You, we just, we didn't want to answer. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I may some, say something wrong. Somebody may laugh at me. I mean, that's a good example. What about uh, when you were having guests over to your house and you spent the day cleaning the house up, getting it in perfect shape because you didn't want anybody to know how you really live? Other examples. Yeah, so lying is a good example. I mean, you think about that. Why do we lie? Because we're trying to hide the truth. Yeah, particularly the truth about something that we have or haven't done, should have done, didn't do. You know, there's a lot of reasons. Yeah, that's good. What other, other examples? Yeah, yeah, so Stephen says, you fear your, uh, your opinion may be in the minority, so then you have to go through this process of deciding, should I say anything or not? I don't want to kind of go out on that limb when everybody else thinks differently. Other examples? What about the last time you showed up late for something? Did you give an excuse What about the last time you were 
in the car, you're in the car singing to the top of your lungs at whatever's on the radio, and then you saw somebody pull up next to you at the light. Did you immediately stop? Dave. Yeah, we said we would do something. We didn't fall through. You know, how do you react to that? You know, I've been known after doing that to just become absent. You know, avoid that person that I, that I let down. Yeah. Any other examples? Yeah, that's good. Deflecting. So instead of taking responsibility for something you've done, begin to blame it on somebody else and, and try to divert attention away from your, yourself. I think that's good. Well, um, when we think about those things, you know, the first question that I think is good for us to ask is why? Why do we do that? You know, why do we go to great lengths to avoid being exposed. And I think the first thing we want to understand, you know, some of those examples are kind of lighthearted and, and some of them are less important than others. And by all means, if you're having somebody over, it's good to clean the house. You know, it's not just that you're afraid of being exposed. So there's a, a varying degrees of how this plays out in our life. But I think if we um, look into it and look at the root, I think we will find that there is something f uh, fundamental and foundational about why we fear of exposure. And have I mentioned it already that the underlying foundational reason for this behavior is shame. And that shame, again, entered the world at the fall. So turn over to Genesis chapter 2. Let's, let's just analyze this for a second. In Genesis chapter 2... Adam and Eve are still in perfect relationship to God. This sin has not yet entered the world. And the chapter ends like this, verse, starting in verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we see there, before sin enters the world, the man and the wife were not ashamed. But flip over just a few verses then to chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So in just a few verses there, we go from them not being ashamed to them being so ashamed that they spend all of their efforts trying to cover up and hiding from God. And what was it that happened between those two verse, sets of verses that we read? What's that? They disobeyed. They sinned against God. Uh, he said, don't do this. They did it. And then based on that sin entering into their lives, then the shame came as well. And honestly, shame really for sin is good. Uh, sin is shameful, so we should be ashamed of our sin. Um, Adam and Eve should have been ashamed of their sin. Sin is vile, it's wicked, it's totally unacceptable to God. And there is judgment that comes as a result of that shame. 
But the problem here is their response to it. They attempted to hide their sin, attempted to cover it up, and even uh, attempted to hide from God. And this is not the right way to deal with sin. Trying to cover it up, trying to hide uh, and hope people don't find out is the wrong way for us to deal with sin. It was wrong then for Adam and Eve in the garden when they walked with God, and it's wrong for us now. Um, and so as we think about the, the fear of exposure then, it's really an example of a wrong way to deal with sin. And so that's what we want to kind of understand a little bit clearer here. We, we have this sin nature uh, that came from our first parents, and it comes with the temptation to hide and to cover up. So listen how Ed Welch puts this again in, in um, when people are big and God is small. He says, every day is Halloween. Putting on our masks is a regular part of our morning ritual, just like brushing our teeth and eating breakfast. Underneath the masks are people who are terrified that there will be an unveiling. And indeed, the masks and other coverings will one day be removed. If we feel exposed by people, we will feel devastated by God. One way to avoid God's eyes is to live as if fear of others, other people, is our deepest problem. They are big, not God. And I think he's onto something here. Um, it seems like we spend more of our time and our effort trying to hide ourselves from being exposed to other people than we do in dealing directly with God and the fact that he knows exactly what we've done and who we are. And so I think that just gets into the sinful aspect of these facades that we build in our life. We put things up to hide from other people, and we want, to think, um, we want people to think highly of us. And so this really is a form of pride, is it not? Uh, if, I, if I don't want people to think badly about me, I want them to think well of me, then there's pride involved in that. And so we've, we uh, fear exposure because of the sin, and in particular, because of the sins that we have committed. So that's what goes back to the, to the garden. Our first parents sinned, and they felt shame over that, and so they tried to cover that up. And we continue to do the same thing. We try to cover the sin up. We try to make people think that we're not sinners, uh, and we try to make people think better of us than, than uh, we really should. And we tend to carefully cultivate an image that we want others to believe about us. And so if you think about it, if we didn't sin, if we didn't have a sin nature, do you think that we would still fear exposure? It's a speculative question. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah. I think, you know, there may be some aspects that we might still be embarrassed about ourselves over, but I don't think we're going to fear exposure in the same way because we wouldn't have that sin that we're trying to cover up. So, again, it's, it's, the fact is that sin is foundational to the fear of exposure that we have. And so, on the one hand, we fear exposure because of the sins that we have committed. On the other hand, we also fear exposure because of the sins that others have committed against us. And this is very different, but sometimes the results are the same. So uh, if you hear testimonies of victims of abuse, they, they often caught, uh, are fearful of that abuse, the sin that happened to them being exposed. 
They often feel like they will be despised and rejected by other people because of what has happened to them. Um, And so they don't feel like anyone will love them uh, due to the things that they have been through and what has been done to them. And so we need to be clear. These two types of uh, sin at the root of our fear of exposure are very different. There's a distinct difference between my sin and a sin that somebody has committed against me, yet they both tend to lead to the same fear of exposure. They, they kind of tend to go to the same end result in relation to others. And so I mentioned this is not new. This has been around since the fall. And fear of exposure began in the garden, uh, and it's been a constant refrain ever since. So scripture is full of examples of both those who feared exposure due to their own sin and those who feared exposure due to being sinned against. So let's look at a few examples. And we already talked about Adam and Eve, the prototypical couple. Um, their sin that they, uh, they committed then led to not only this experience of wanting to cover up themselves, cover up their nakedness, but also running and hiding from God. And so they were the first ones to experience this shame. Um, and their admirable innocence uh, became something to, to hide um, when you think about the, the attempt to cover up. And so what was originally a blessing, that being, uh, being known by God and, and having that close relationship with God, became a curse because of the sin that entered into their lives. So Adam and Eve are, are the primary example. Um, another example is David. So think about David uh, when he sinned, in particular when he sinned committing adultery with Bathsheba. Think about the extents that he went to to try to cover that up and keep it from being exposed. I mean, you know, it, it kind of blows our mind on one hand about how he tried to get her husband Uriah to come back when he found out she was pregnant, tried to get him to go into her, and when he wouldn't do that, then finally having him sent to the front of the line so that he would be killed and then take Bathsheba as his own wife. I mean, there is a lot of uh, uh, effort and sin piled upon sin trying to keep himself from being exposed. A few chapters later, uh, as a matter of fact, turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel 15, um, one of David's sons... Amnon lusts after his half-sister Tamar, um, and then he sexually assaults her. And if you look there in chapter 15, the end of verse 11, it says this. Thank you. Is that where we are, chapter 13? Okay, I wrote it down wrong. All right, chapter 13, end of verse 11. Uh, he says, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, sister. She answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. And then he doesn't listen to her. He goes on and he, and he rapes her. Um, and then he despises her. And kicks her out. And then look at what she says in verse 19. Or what happens in verse 19. And Tamar put ashes on her head. And tore the long robe she wore. And she laid her hand on her head. And went away crying aloud as she went. So 
Here, Tamar is an example of one who has sinned against, and the shame that she feels uh, is overwhelming. Uh, she, she mourns, she goes into mourning, uh, and so it wasn't her fault, and yet that shame of, and that fear of exposure still existed. Job is another example. He suffered greatly harm done to him, not of, due to his own sin, and as a result, he even lamented and wished that he hadn't been born in the first place due to just that shame of, of, of what was going on in his life. And so there are some examples in Scripture, I think, that we see this. Can you think of any others, any other examples in Scripture of, of those who are dealing with this fear of exposure? Abraham and Sarah, yeah. When, what, what exactly are you are you referring to? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He he uh, he said he told Sarah, "Tell him you're my sister," you know, so that so that I don't uh, get into the same situation that I would uh, if they knew that you were my wife. Yeah, so there's this fear of exposure of the truth there and the lying that kind of Sam alluded to earlier. Yeah, there. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Peter denies Jesus three times and the shame that he feels is overwhelming. He goes out, he weeps uh, when he hears the rooster crow three times. That's good. Any others? Joseph's brothers. Yeah, and yeah, for what they did to to Joseph. I think that's good. How about Noah, when he got drunk and, and laid exposed in his tent, and uh, it was shameful to look on his nakedness, and he ends up cursing Ham, his son, for doing so. So there's a, t- a bunch of examples that we can see in Scripture. This fear of exposure uh, is part of our human existence, uh, and so... I don't know, do we take comfort in knowing it's not brand new? It's not just me. It's, it's everyone is like this, but, but it, it's been going on for a while. And so we still intensely uh, experience it today, do we not? Um, there are many examples of how we fear exposure today as well. So let's take a few moments and think about some of the ways that we fear exposure and how that plays out in our world and in our lives today. So... Um, you know, really, there's no difference in, uh, in the garden, in the rest of ex- uh, the experience in Scripture, and today in this fear of exposure. But today, perhaps we have a few more tools at our aid in helping us to build the facades that we put up. So let's think about these few ways that we can do this. Uh, there's a few things there in your handout. First of all, this idea or this strategy of hiding and covering up. So just like Adam and Eve did, they hid from God. They tried to cover their sins and cover up their nakedness. And so we may do the same thing. We uh, will take the same strategy, trying to hide, trying to cover up. So um, let's think about how some ways that we do this. So how are some ways today that we might hide from others and try to cover up our sins. I think it's super easy to just stay home. Just stay home. Yeah, I mean, particularly after we've been through COVID, right? We've learned how to stay home. 
Uh, I think that's good. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's good. Ethan. Yeah. Social media. So there's a tool we've got now that helps us avoid exposure. And it, do you realize that? Do you realize that uh, when you create an online presence, be that Facebook or Instagram or whatever, whatever the latest uh, tool is, it's a perfect opportunity to cultivate an image of yourself, to put that out into the public so that people see you in the way that you want them to see you. And you can easily cover up everything in your life that you wouldn't want anybody to know. And so we've, become, we've gotten into this practice of doing that very thing, uh, of putting forth this image that we want people to, to see us as and to think about us as. I think that's really good. Um, and it, it's even, it even goes deeper than that. It's not just the cultivating of the image, but it's also an opportunity where we can fool ourselves into thinking that we have community with other people, when in reality we don't. We put an image out there, um, other people put images out there, we, we like their posts, they, they become our friends on social media, and we think that we've got this community, but the reality is, is that there's little accountability, there's little real connection in people's lives, and there's no commitment. We really have no commitment to, to those people who we would call our friends online if we don't have a real relationship with those people. So yeah, so, social media is huge. It, it's, it's a modern-day fig leaf. We're just trying to cover ourselves up and, and put a, a polished image out there. I think that's good. That's a good example and one we don't want to uh, overlook, don't want to miss the implications of that. A any other examples? that you can think of in the ways that we hide and cover. Yeah, Dan. I think that's really, really key. Yeah, in the church, and when we have a relationship with one another to the point where we say, what can I pray about for you? What, what things are going on in your life that I could pray about? What, what are our answers like? What are we going to admit and ask for prayer? You know, is it going to be something on the surface? Are we going to keep it at the level of health concerns or other things? And, and those are important for us to pray about, obviously. But do we ever go deeper? Do we ever ask prayer for in particular sins, things that it would be really good if our brothers and sisters were praying for us for those things, yet we don't want them to know that we are struggling with those things, or we don't want them to know that that's an issue in my life. And so we, we cover those up with not exposing ourselves um, and asking for prayer for those things. That's, that's a good example. What else? Anything else?
You know, we do that. We, we keep our distance. We avoid getting too close to people. We may avoid deep conversations and work hard to keep relationships at a surface level. Um, all of these things are really part of this problem of trying to hide and trying to cover up just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. So that's one way that we avoid exposure or attempt to avoid exposure. Second example is escapism. So one way we can deal with the fear of exposure is by avoiding it and by trying to escape from it. So in an attempt to avoid being known, we build for ourselves idols to hide in and escape to. So we run to what we think is a safe area, a haven where we can peer in but not be seen. So what would be some examples of this? What would be some examples of escapism? Yeah, video games. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to deal with life, so I'll go into a world where I can be the hero. Yeah. Entertainment, Netflix, movies, TV shows, binge watching those things. I just want to forget about life for a while. I, don't, I want to forget about the things that I'm ashamed of and just escape into a different world. What else? Possibly. Yeah, escaping into your work and throwing yourself completely into work uh, and so that you don't have to or feel like you don't have to deal with all of the other things, relationships, other issues in our life. I don't have to um, risk going deep with this person because I'm too busy. I'm too busy at work. Other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can't talk right now. I got to go mow. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol. Just escaping life. Just numbing the pain. Numbing the things uh, so that we just don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Other things. Yeah. These are all good. Yeah, yeah, it, that's right. Basically, anything can become an escape. And when we're neglecting the things that we're called to do, the things we need to do, and the relationships that are most important, and focusing on something else, it can absolutely be an escape. I think that's right. One other that hasn't been noted, pornography. Just the pursuit of sexual pleasure in a way that does not require any vulnerability or any commitment. Um, it becomes an escape. So that's the second thing there. The third, exposing others as a defense. So, uh, you know, another sinful human impulse is to deflect the attention away from my sin by seeking to expose somebody else and, and their sin. And the idea there is that nobody will notice me if there's something more juicy to, to focus on. So it's almost like creating a diversion. Um, and this, again, is, is common nature. 
You know, we, we often say, well, what about him? You know, if somebody's pointing the finger at us, well, what about that person? What about what they did? And the idea here is I don't want to be exposed. I don't want people to see my sin. I'd rather them focus on somebody else. And it makes me look good if somebody else is, is involved in, in something worse. So we need to guard our hearts in this. Uh, this can quickly turn into a situation like the Pharisee in Luke 18 that prays, you know, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And in the midst of trying to deflect people from exposing us, we can then, our pride can be welled up and we can think our, of ourselves more highly than we ought. So we need to be fearful of knowing the public sins of others more uh, closely than we know our own private sins in our own hearts. And so then the last thing, uh, well, well that's, that's some of the ways that we see the fear of exposure uh, playing out in, in, our, uh, in our modern world. And then the last thing I think we want to look at here is just identifying more closely where we see these things play out. So we need to ask ourselves um, where the tendency to avoid exposure really manifests itself specifically in our lives. And, and really, I think there's five possible places that we can look at. The first one being in our private lives. So think about um, your life. Uh, do you live the same life in private that you do in public? Um, are, you, are there things in your life, in your private life right now, that no one else knows about you and you would be embarrassed if somebody found out. So if there's a distinction between your private and your public life, um, that's a problem. That, and that's somewhere where that, it's kind of focusing us that we have this shame that we need to, to, to understand. So in private, it's the first one. At home, um, the second place where fear of exposure comes to light. You know, in, in our closest relationships, be that with our spouse or with family, with those who are very close to us, um, there's probably a, you know, obviously those relationships are deeper. There's probably a greater degree of sharing of vulnerability and honesty, but there's also a greater temptation then to fear exposure and shame. You know, the, the closer you get to a person, the more you can fear that one day that person will see you for who you really are. And if that's your fear, then that will begin to impact your relationships. And so a good diagnostic question for that is, are there sins that you find easy to confess to God, but not to your spouse or to your closest friend? If so, there's something about you that you're trying to hide and you're afraid that will, you would be exposed in. And when hiding and covering character, characterizes a marriage, then intimacy and communication are hindered. And so we need to be careful about that. Um, third thing here is at work. And we mentioned work, but what things might you be doing at work that you're hiding from your coworkers or hiding from your boss? Uh, maybe you're afraid that you might be found out to be incompetent in your job and not doing the job the way you should. Maybe there's actual sin in the way that you're doing your job. Maybe you're hiding some things or you're being lazy or, or not working uh, for the glory of God in honoring your employer. So uh, it, it needs to be something that we don't want to fall into that trap of trying to project an image of a great coworker uh, at the expense of, of covering things up. 
And then the fourth, uh, that's an important place that this might be uh, exposed, and that's at church. And again, from Ed Welch's book, he says this, More often I overhear people who talk as if the church were their enemy. Sometimes these people have been hurt by people in the church and then make a decision not to be hurt again. They generalize from the specific case to the entire church. If one person hurt me, then the church hurt me. At other times, we act as if the church is an enemy because of our own sense of shame. In other words, since we can see the things in our lives that shame us, we assume that others see them too. Usually, however, we treat the church as an enemy because we have not been taught by the scriptures. So how many people have you known, and maybe it's even yourself, that have been hurt by the church or have viewed the church as an enemy uh, for some reason. Maybe it was a bad experience uh, in general. Maybe it was a particular person in the church. And so I think that the call here to us is that we need to be instructed by the scriptures. Um, We don't want to let previous experiences or teaching tempt you to see the church as a place to avoid exposure and try to cover up. So there's those four. Then lastly, and probably the most important, is that this fear of exposure can come up before God. Uh, And so this is obviously the most foolish relationship to flee from. Uh, And while our sin gives us reason to, to desire covering it up in front of God, it's foolish to think that we actually can do that. You know, how foolish is it to think that we can cover up our sin and project an image to God and make him think more highly of us than, than we would hope. Um, you know, we kind of laugh at Adam and Eve and their attempt to cover up with fig leaves and hide from God in the garden. But uh, we have to understand that we can be tempted to do the very same thing. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that um, we're, we're not exposed before God when truly we actually are I think probably the the most clear way that this um, comes to light, if we're trying to hide hide from God, is in our prayer life. Uh, And the more we're trying to hide ourselves from God, the less we're going to pray, or the shallower we're we're going to pray, or the more mindlessly we're going to pray and call it prayer, but really we haven't even engaged. And so this is a common temptation. Um, I know that uh, I can say this as well as probably many in here can say, is that when, when our prayer life is not doing well, it's because there's potentially something that we don't want God to know about us. And again, that's just crazy because he knows everything about us. So if you, it's, if you struggle with this, uh, I encourage you to go to the Psalms. You know, David is a great example We can see his life where he goes through and he just pours out his soul to God over and over um, and exposes himself uh, to the light of God. And then the honesty there, uh, we can see how it turns in the Psalms and how um, he's edified and built up by going to God instead of trying to hide. So that's kind of fear of exposure kind of in a big nutshell here. And we're going to turn here to to some solutions. What can help us to avoid this fear of exposure? But before we do that, any thoughts, any questions, anything that we would want to touch on before thinking through some solutions?
right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drag this out as long as Sam does. <laughs> well, is there any hope for us to be able to overcome the fear of exposure? It's so deeply embedded us. It's, it goes all the way back to our original parents. Um, and yet, it's really no different than any other sin in this. While we don't have the power to defeat it ourselves, we, we can't overcome the fear of exposure ourselves. God has given us an adequate solution in order for us to be overcome. And, and that's the ordinary means of grace. You know, there's nothing... You know, there's not like a silver bullet here. It's just the ordinary things that God has given us in our, in our life with him. So um, his word, prayer, uh, the fellowship of the believers, the, the, the body that he has made us a part of, these are the things that will help us overcome the fear of exposure. So that doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Um, we, we still live in this sinful world. Sin is real. Uh, but God's serious about our sanctification. So by his spirit and by the ordinary means of grace, he, he will give us the means to, to battle against this fear of exposure. So let's just think about three of these things and look at scripture and, and see something here. So first of all, one way to battle against the fear of exposure is by rightly fearing God. So turn over to Psalm 139. Let me just read verses 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So just think about that. Think about how... Uh, God knows everything about us. He knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. Now, again, we think about Adam and Eve in the garden trying to hide from a God who knew everything about them and just how silly that is uh, it's, and how ridiculous that is. Uh, and so for us, I think it's helpful for us when we fear exposure, when we recognize that we're starting to put up a facade or starting to try to hide things from others, that we turn our focus off of the other people that we're trying to impress and turn our focus back to the God who already knows everything about us. How much more important is it for our understanding to be of what God thinks of us than for our understanding to, to, and our concern to be about what others think about us? Um, and this God who knows everything about us also loves us and desires everything for our good. And so if, if we can remind ourselves about that, that when I'm exposed before God, it's not that I'm doomed. It's that he know, knew that about me already. And in his love for me and in his care for me, I, I can rest in that. I can be safe in the fact that God knows everything about me. So can you see how that can help us avoid this fear of exposure? Instead of turning all of my, in, uh, my energy and my focus on putting up a facade so that others don't see me for who I am, just rest in the fact that God already knows and he loves me anyway. 
So that's the first one there, rightly fearing God. Um, and that really leads then to the second way that we can um, battle against this, and that is just the gospel. So turn over to Isaiah 53, passage we're very familiar with. Just remember the truth of the gospel. Verse, just verse 4 and 5 here. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. You know, again, we're, we're right to feel shame for the sin that we've committed, but we must not forget that Jesus bore that punishment that we deserve. So if I feel shame for my sin, and part of the, the basis of that shame is, is the acknowledgement that I should be judged for it, just the remembrance of the gospel and what Christ has done in my place. He bore that punishment uh, that I deserved. Um, and now we're declared righteous. So even though I have that sin, even though I'm ashamed of it, God sees me, because of Christ's righteousness applied to my account, he sees me as righteous. And so if I fear being exposed, I do need to repent of those sins that I'm ashamed of, but I need to trust in the finished work of Christ. That's what is, is effective and will accomplish um, covering my sin. And so if you're struggling with the shame of past sins... You should have confidence that when Christ died, he died to cover that sin. Um, and so what God intends to do, he will do. And in this case, God has intended to do just that, to cover our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the blood of Christ. So the gospel should help us not to fear exposure. Because whatever we're afraid of being exposed, Christ has already paid for that, the, the punishment of that sin uh, in my place. So, therefore, we shouldn't be afraid of that exposure because it has been paid for. And then, lastly here, uh, the third way that we can battle against the fear of exposure is the church. So, turn over to Romans chapter 12. You know, we mentioned it earlier. Sometimes we have a tendency to treat our brothers and sisters in the church just like we treat people in the world. And so we are afraid of being exposed to our brothers and sisters in Christ the same way that we are afraid of the world seeing who we really are. And we think that our brothers and sisters will despise us and reject us just like the world if they see us for who we really are. But in Romans chapter 12, um, just look at just, just a, a little window, just a little snippet of what it means and what it looks like to be involved in the body of Christ. So look at verse 9 and listen to this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
So do you hear the distinction there with what genuine love looks like? That's what Paul starts that section out with, let love be genuine. And so this genuine love, it's not just a love for people who deserve it, you know, for those whose lives are perfect and, and who we would accept because they meet the standard. No, this genuine love that the church is called to, to, um, to live out is a love for those who are sinners, who are humble, who are lowly, those who don't deserve it. You know, that's all of us. And so if we're afraid of exposing ourselves uh, and f- who we really are to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're missing what we've been called to do uh, as one another to one another in the church. And so all of these things are, are the ways that we will be accepted uh, by our brothers and sisters. So uh, we just need to know that the church is a safe place, and it's not like the places even that we try to escape to, that we think are safe, uh, but the church actually is a safe place for for us to be uh, exposed and not be afraid of what others will think about us. So uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ are not here to expose you, but to love you. And then conversely, there is a call to each of us then not to be ones who would judge one another, but that we would love one another instead, and, and we would live this out as, as Paul lays it out there, and, and we would practice loving one another genuinely and weeping with those who weep, uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice and all of the other things that are mentioned here. So just let, let's wrap this up then. It's, it sounds good, right? On paper, no problem. Uh, there's no reason we should fear exposure. Uh, but... Before we kind of wrap everything up here, any other questions, any other comments, any other things that come to your mind when we think about this problem and what the solutions may be? Yeah. Coming like viral. Yeah, yeah. So Joe says, you know, part of our fear may be that uh, our our exposure becomes viral. You know, that one person finds out and then it spreads and everyone finds out. So maybe part of the solution then is what we would call discipleship. One-on-one meeting with one another uh, in confidence and working through these things together and that may you know that could be in a a counseling situation with a pastor or just with a brother or sister in one-on-one so yeah that's that's an excellent um, thing that we don't want to overlook and and again that kind of goes back to this genuine love if somebody does open up to you obviously that's something you want to keep in confidence and not spread that as a prayer request you know so that's a good point yeah Dave did I see you Okay.
Yeah. Yeah, so a, a type of fear of exposure that we didn't touch on this morning is that shame that we can feel uh, for actually being a follower of Christ. And so in the work world, the, the secular world, uh, there's this pressure we feel uh, that we don't want people, we may not want people to know that I'm, I'm a Christian because of what they may think of, think of me. And yeah, and, and, and we didn't touch on that today. I think we touch on that in, in some of the other classes of fear of man. But I mean, you know, what does Jesus say, say if, if you're ashamed of me before men, then I'll be ashamed of you before my father. So that's something that uh, we, sh- we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be ashamed of Christ who has done all things for us. But yeah, that's, that's a good, good thing to contemplate. Any other thoughts? Sam? Yeah, yeah. Changing of expectations as as the culture changes from one where we do fear being exposed to a culture of where we then uh, desire that we would be able to confess our sins to one another, uh, and that becomes you know contagious to where we see how good that is and how helpful that is to have our brothers and sisters praying for us. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That that as as we continue to do that and confess our sins to one another, then we become more and more healthy. So, any other thoughts? Dan. Yeah, where's the balance? So we live in a culture now that um, everybody's coming out of the closet, right? So uh, we probably saw that yesterday if we got out and around town. But yeah, so, so what's the balance then? What is, what is an appropriate and a right way to not fear exposure and not be ashamed versus um, the way that the world is doing it? And, and as Dan mentions, the difference there is what is it that we are ashamed of? Uh, and if we're no longer ashamed of our sin and we revel in our sin and, and we see that as being genuine and transparent and a virtue to expose our sin to the world with no shame and with no repentance, that's a very different thing from the, what we should do as Christians and it, not being afraid of our sin being exposed but doing so in a, in a, with a heart of repentance and a desire to to be transformed and to be sanctified. Yeah, I, I think they're two very different things. Um, but perhaps, you know, the world can be an example to us. If, if the world is so unashamed of their sinfulness, the things that they will stand before God and give an account, should we not be at least as unashamed of the gospel and, uh, and of the God who has saved us and, and, and of our Savior? So I think it's, good, it's a good point of 
kind of accountability there. All right, any last word before we wrap up? Well, this is definitely a, da- a battle that we all deal with. Uh, so really, uh, again, the, the, the answer is in our sanctification, just being more willing to demonstrate love that overcomes shame by the grace of God and not fearing exposure to others as much as the remembrance that we are already exposed to a, a God who uh, will judge the living and the dead, uh, but who loves us and who has demonstrated that clearly through Christ's death for us. So uh, let's go and, and uh, prayerfully uh, allow him to work in our lives this week. And, and next week, we'll touch on a discussion of the fear of rejection. So let me close this in prayer. Lord, thank you that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Even when we consider a sin, the fear of exposure that we all deal with and has been here since the beginning of of humanity, we pray that we would turn our hearts to you, that we would trust you, and that we would rejoice in the gospel of, of Christ having paid for our sin, and that we would understand that your love for us is greater than our sin and our fear of exposure and our shame. And we have no need to be ashamed, Lord, because you have forgiven us and made us clean. So help us now as we go to hear the word preached. I pray that our hearts would be ready and that we would glorify you in all things. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.